The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 71st ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss the events that I attended. Also, in just a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, let me start off by saying it's a big day for me as hitting newsstands this weekend, uh, starting today, is the Bloomberg Business Week annual sports issue, which contains a special advertising section with an article that I wrote on the National Football League's Player Engagement Department, which is headed up by former all-pro Troy Vincent. So the Bloomberg Business Week uh, sports issue, the cover is How ESPN Ate Sports on newsstands today. And if you want to learn more about the fascinating and unique player-to-player model uh, that the NFL Player Engagement Department uses, Feel free to pick up a copy. I think you'll enjoy it uh, as it contains a special advertising section that uh, that I certainly enjoyed working on. And as I said, uh, NFL player engagement, uh, vice president of that department who heads it up is former All-Pro Troy Vincent. And speaking of Troy Vincent, my highlight of the week was attending and having the honor cover yesterday a panel at United States Military Academy at West Point. The panel included Troy Vincent, as well as NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and Army Chief of Staff Raymond Odierno, among many others, medical experts, other players, and the like, and also uh, hundreds of current cadets. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful 
panel discussion, and what it was was to announce uh, an alliance between the NFL and West Point, the Army, uh, to study concussions and, as they're now known, traumatic brain injuries, also known as TBI. Uh, keep those three letters in mind. You're going to be hearing a lot about them in uh, the coming years. And basically, uh, as we all know, the NFL and the armed forces have a glorious history of uh, working together in various areas, but I think that what they're now doing is just unprecedented. It is just uh, the topic of the day in sports, and among the top topics in all of society, uh, concussions. And it's uh, a topic for people of all ages at all levels. And certainly the NFL and the Army uh, unfortunately has this topic in common, uh, but they are now joining forces. They've been studying it for a while, but now it's really, truly official. And uh, so... Hopefully, they're going to force uh, a culture change. Uh, they're having a complete collaboration on this topic. Uh, I think, as you all know, there's probably no more difficult undertaking in the world than to liter literally uh, initiate uh, and succeed with a, a culture change. And that's what we're talking about here. NFL players and soldiers, uh, as came across time and again yesterday, uh, you know, very, uh, playing football or uh, being in battle, in combat, very personal uh, situation. And it's a macho, macho uh, endeavor, to put it mildly. And so what the NFL and the Army are going to try to do is get down to basically self-regulation of soldiers and football players, that when they're hurt, specifically with a head injury, that they actually tell someone, or just as importantly, that it's recognized by both their uh, fellow soldiers and fellow and teammates, and perhaps most importantly, uh, you know, the platoon leaders out there in the battlefield when... Uh, to be able to recognize when a soldier isn't quite himself or on a football field where a uh, player isn't quite himself. And then, you know, get the doctors involved and basically share responsibility. Um, it is just, again, a gigantic topic. Uh, it's so good to see, again, these two organizations with their long, long history to be teaming up on this, and maybe we can just advance on this topic, uh, you know, through these joint studies where, you know, the best of the best uh, both are involved, but also the doctors in the medical community will be studying this. Uh, there's a couple websites that started uh, with this in, uh, in conjunction with yesterday's announcement. One is uh, NFL.com slash military. The other is... Uh, Army.mil slash TBI, traumatic brain injuries. 
And again, just a special, special event. It was held uh, in a building overlooking the Hudson. Uh, I've been a lot of places in my life. I don't know that there's too many that sends chills up my back, like being at uh, West Point. I've been there. It's about my fourth, maybe fifth visit. It never gets old. Uh, the view from the room uh, where this panel took place uh, yesterday, and then on the deck outside where both Commissioner Goodell and General Odiarno uh, uh, spoke was overlooking the Hudson River. For my money, given where you're standing for this view, it is one of the great views in the world uh, from West Point looking out over the Hudson River. So, uh, again, special, special day, and uh, this is going to be a gigantic, gigantic topic, maybe the number one topic in all of sports and the military in the coming years. And now it's official. The NFL and the Army are working together to... Uh, to help improve the situation. My low light of the week is the one-year anniversary today of the Red Sox last being a real baseball team. Uh, a year ago on September 1st, they began the biggest collapse in baseball history. And then, unbelievably, it's been even worse this year. You only need to look at Bobby Valentine's hair color to know how dysfunctional they are. And by that I mean, uh, you know, with the big trade announced a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a lot of footage up here in Boston of, you know, Bobby Valentine when he was hired and Bobby Valentine today. And it's just remarkable. He had gray hair when he was hired a mere six, eight months ago, and now his hair is just white. And it reminds me of uh, uh, when you see those pictures of the President of the United States, what they look like on the first day and what they look like on the last day, and they always look a whole lot older, and it's usually exhibited with their hair color having changed dramatically, like Bill Clinton. In this case, uh, turning from gray to bright white, and uh, so I, I just couldn't believe it as I was looking at these pictures of uh, Bobby Valentine. And with Clinton, it took eight years to go from gray to white. Uh, with Bobby, it took eight months. So I think that tells you about the state of the Red Sox. My bizarre story of the week is last night's Kent State player covering his teammate's punt. And as the ball was bouncing around, he's covering the punter. He's with the punting team. He then picked it up and started running the wrong way toward the other team's goal line. In other words, back in the direction where he had come since he was covering the punt. And then that was shocking enough. But shocker number two on the same play, he was then tackled by opponents, by the opposing team, uh, as he was running towards uh, what would have been their goal line, points for them. They would have gotten points if they had let him go and not tackled him. All I can say... An unbelievable play. We'll be seeing it for years. It's right up there with Jim Marshall and Roy Riggles as wrong way plays. It, for it to occur on the opening night of college football, and of football in general, NFL, as we know, opens up on Wednesday in New York City with the Giants-Cowboys. Uh, I thought it was great because it's great to have football back, and what an unbelievable play to open the season. So... Here we go again. The other event of the week that I attended 
was the Deutsche Bank Championship underway at nearby TPC outside of Boston. And Tiger Woods is having a great start to the tournament, which begins this morning. This tournament is unique. Uh, as you remember, I covered it last year. I've been there every year. It's the 10th year anniversary, and it's unique because it's the only one that ends on a Monday, thereby meaning it's the only one that starts on a Friday, which means we're just a few hours into our opening round, and Tiger Woods is just on fire, which for me bodes well because I'm going to be spending a lot of time there this weekend. It's uh, less than a half an hour from where I'm standing at this moment. Great event and can't wait. And, uh, you know, they made some changes this year. So I think uh, it's really going to be even more enjoyable to watch for all of you to watch on TV, uh, especially as we get to Monday. Again, a Labor Day ending, which is fabulous. So here was a participant in golfer, well-known golfer, uh, Jason Duffner, talking about the new redone 18th hole. Come up short, obviously, here in the, in the hazard, and going over the back's not um, not too easy to get up and down. So I've actually had issues with hitting second shots into that green in the past. So maybe it'll be a little easier for me. I heard that there's kind of a fairway approach to the left and short of the green, so maybe that gives you a little bit more... Uh, error on your second shot, but then I've heard the, the slope on the green might be a little bit more difficult. So to me, it hasn't been an easy second shot for whatever reason. Maybe I'm in between clubs or uh, trying to hit long irons off. And usually, I'm have the long iron off a down slope on that over a hazard, which isn't the easiest shot for me. It was interesting uh, listening to Jason Duffner. You never know about these people and athletes in particular until. You hear him talk. I mean, on the golf course, he looks like the most stoic individual that you could ever possibly see. He's fascinated me. So I sat uh, about 10 feet in front of him at a press conference uh, the other day, and he's not that way at all. He could not have given better answers. I don't know that I'd go as far as to call him animated, but he was certainly uh, affable. And so he was terrific. And another... Golfer, a Worcester, Massachusetts native, uh, who also talked about the 18th. And again, uh, this could really come into play on Monday because this tournament has been decided a number of years on the 18th and final hole, i.e. the 72nd hole. But here's Scott Stallings talking about the redone 18th hole at TPC. In the green, um, you know, I'd heard about the changes, but it's a lot different seeing it. I mean, that was a... I wouldn't necessarily say a welcoming target, but it was a, uh, a much larger target than it is now and with the runoffs and stuff. So I don't think you'll have quite as many guys go for the green, you know, with three woods and stuff like that as you did before. Um, you have to be a little bit more precise. And, you know, if you miss the green behind it to a back pin, um, you know, kind of having a ball run through the green is pretty tough up and down. And, you know, so I think you'll see a lot more guys lay up than you did last year. And again, it's an interesting hole. Uh, I had the good fortune, as my listeners know, to play it about a month ago. Uh, they had media day and were able to play the course and the 18th is just a great finishing hole. Uh, it basically just puts you in the position of, you know, do you go for it, uh, on your second shot if you hit a good drive or do you lay up? Uh, there's a, uh, some bad stuff between where your first shot is typically going to land and the green. So, uh, 
tough decision, and it's going to be even tougher this year. So here's what uh, Stallings had to say about just playing it as a final hole. You know, it's probably helping some of the guys out, you know, especially that three wood, you know, kind of a, a long or hybrid into the green or something like that, just because, hey, you know, I got it into the green, I probably should go for it instead of just laying up. You know, it probably helps some of those guys out just take the decision out, you know, take the guesswork out. And I think it's made it a little bit easier in that regard. Just so if you don't have a good number, you just lay it up over the bunker and then you have a wedge in. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's made it a little bit more of an advantage for the guys who's going to hit iron into it. But I think it's also made it a little bit more advantage as far as it takes the doubt out. And, uh, you know, if you get in a situation where it's not a, most ideal to go for it, you just lay it up and, you know, play as a three-shot hole. And cover uh, many other interesting holes on this course, uh, as I experienced uh, <laughs> in not too good of a way as I tried to uh, negotiate uh, this literally PGA Championship level course. And uh, uh, I'm certainly not a championship level player by any means. And uh, another fascinating hole is the 11th hole. And here's Duffner talking about the 11th at TPC. It's obviously one of the most challenging holes on the course. Uh, pretty long uphill part three. Uh, seems to be, for whatever reason, a little bit in between clubs for me. Uh, you're just trying to get it somewhere on that surface and two-putt and go about your business. Uh, I think club selection on that hole is pretty pretty key. Uh, you want to try and get something past that bunker, but you don't want to be over the back of that green. So uh, that, that hole is kind of a par hole uh, on this golf course, and you're just looking to kind of find a club that's going to get you in the middle of the green get your two-putter, maybe sneak in a 30-footer and go on about your business. And the signature hole of the core of the entire course is the 16th hole. It's a par three over the water. Um, absolutely spectacular. It's the best viewing spot. The tournament is often decided at this hole. And uh, again, it's Really, it's beyond just a signature hole at TPC Boston. I think it's just uh, one of the top holes on the entire PGA Tour. Um, if it's not decided on the 18th, it's going to get decided on the 16th. And here is Jason Duffner talking about the 16th hole. There, uh, you got a great uh, area for fans, spectating, viewing. Uh, seems to be a lot of excitement there. Uh, you got some mounds and some uh, kind of funnel. Uh, areas that kind of funnel towards some hole locations, so there seems to be a lot of excitement on that on that green. You got the hazard left, so uh, you can see a big swing uh, come uh, Monday and the finish. You know, somebody can make a two, and then uh, somebody can hit a four shot, make a four or five. So that's kind of a neat hole. Uh, really into it playing that hole. Uh, that hole actually is a good club fit for me. I always seem to hit an eight iron, and uh, usually have a pretty reasonable birdie putt on that hole. So that hole's a little bit more enjoyable than eleven for us. And it's going to be fascinating to watch again. 16th, 18th hole. Uh, trust me, you'll enjoy both if you uh, tune in at any point over the weekend, but particularly uh, Monday evening as, uh, as maybe you're getting ready for uh, everybody to go back to school on Tuesday and the beginning of the business new year on Tuesday. Hard to believe it's Labor Day weekend. Uh, but with it being September tomorrow, every couple of years uh, in September, we are treated to one of my favorite sports events of uh, of the year, every two years in this case, uh, the Ryder Cup. Here is Jason Duffner talking about the Ryder Cup. 
the Ryder Cup to uh, finally get here. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about it since I was since I made the team, so it's been an anticipation of the event. Uh, I think uh, as a golfer, for me, it's probably one of the biggest events, if not the biggest event to participate in. Pretty select amount of players. You know, you only get 12 from each side every two years, so pretty tough team to get on. So it's a huge accomplishment for me, and uh, just everything I've heard about the Ryder Cup. You know, it's been fantastic and just a great experience overall, professionally and personally. Uh, as far as picks goes, uh, you know, I'd look for, you know, if I was captain, I'd be looking at guys that have some experience with the Ryder Cup and then guys that are playing well right now. I think uh, we we have a couple weeks until the Ryder Cup goes, and I know that I think he selects on Monday. Is that correct for the selection? Tuesday. So, you know, you kind of want to go with a little bit of experience uh, and maybe or I would want to go with a little bit of experience and guys that are playing well right now. Uh, there's, a, there's a pretty big group of guys he can select from, so I don't think he can go really wrong with, with any of the selections that he makes with those four picks. So, great month for golf. Starts with the Deutsche Bank, ends with the Ryder Cup out in Chicago this year, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, for me, uh, I'm going to be spending a lot of time this Labor Day weekend uh, at the... Deutsche Bank Golf Championship up here in Massachusetts. Another event that I attended this past week was the Connecticut Sun versus the Chicago Sky. The Chicago Sky beat the Sun up here. Uh, their WNBA is back from their Olympic break after the dominant gold medal performance uh, by the USA team, a couple Sun players, and... Uh, we're on the team, and it was just uh, quite the run, but they're back. WNBA uh, heading down the home stretch quickly uh, here uh, in September. And Sun coach Mike Tebow was not a happy man after the loss at home at the Mohegan Sun. They know that they can't play straight up, so what they do is double the triple team her and turn her into a passer. Every time she caught it in the first half of the day, she saw a triple team. Or, as I said, what I thought would happen before the game, they would zone us and put two people basically tending to her and daring other people to make shots. Uh, with Asia out, they're daring Kelsey or Misty to make plays. They're daring, you know, Colleen or Allie to make jump shots. And, and, and that's what we're seeing more of. And Asia takes a lot of pressure. There's no knock on Misty or, or Kelsey. It's just that their role has changed. And so... It was hard to double team Tina all those times when Asia's at the foul and able to make that jump shot. Right now, teams have just decided that somebody else is going to beat them. I mean, literally every time Tina touched the ball, if she put it on the floor, there were two or three defenders coming. You know, she needs to make the right decisions passing out, but, you know, we need other people to step up and just take the pressure off of her a little bit, too. But that's what she's going to face uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, and we wouldn't do that to other teams in, in the same way. But tonight, they had players. We did that. You know, we weren't going to let Epiphany Prince just come down and get 20-something tonight. And Epiphany was willing to pass. Um, you know, she had three assists and only one turnover. But, you know, they end up with, you know, five players in double figures. And the bench ends up getting close to 30 points. Um, that's hard. I mean, we got outscored by their bench by, I think, 13 or 14 points. That's and Coach Tebow's reference was to Asia Jones, who was on the Olympic team, and she is currently uh, 
injured, not playing for the for the Connecticut Sun, and uh, that may have been a big contributor to uh, to their loss. Although it should be noted that the uh, Sky did not have Sylvia Foles, uh, one of the best players in the league. But here, Chicago Sky coach Pokey Chapman talking about the Olympic break and returning. Of course. Uh you know, the easy part is to say it, the tough part is to do it because everyone's having that same team meeting, talking about the break and rejuvenation and playoff and the push and seven games in 12 days. Everyone has that stretch. And what you try to do is you shrink the schedule down, you shrink the games down. You, you know, you don't play games, you play quarters. You know, you play have, win the four minutes and you just kind of, you know, uh, tighten the focus up on, like, what's right in front of you. Uh, the, the thing about it is if we play hard, we have a chance. And it's just a matter of, you know, taking advantage and owning those moments late when you create some great opportunities for yourself to step up, have the poise to finish it. And so that was nice to see. And I think, you know, they do a lot for their psyche. And finally, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Major League Lacrosse for having me over to cover their championship weekend at Harvard Stadium. Great take. And uh, exciting lacrosse. So, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be my weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. 
And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how you doing today? I'm John. How are you? Good, good. Happy Labor Day weekend. Yes, same to you. And uh, I started off the show by talking about uh, uh, having the honor yesterday to attend an event at West Point uh, yesterday where the uh, NFL and the Army announced that they are joining forces to study concussions and traumatic brain injuries. Commissioner Roger Goodell was there. Army Chief of Staff uh, Raymond Odierno was there. It was uh, along with many others from Troy Vincent, former player and head of NFL player engagement, to and Bart Oates. Uh, doctors were there, and it was a room full of cadets in a building overlooking the Hudson River. It was uh, nothing short of spectacular, Barry. Uh, and I know this is you, like me, are very uh, knowledgeable about the intersection of military and sports. And obviously this topic uh, is maybe as close an association as they, they has, has ever existed. Um, so what do you think about, uh, you know, them tackling literally the number one topic of the day in all of sports? Well, I, that's really interesting. I mean, number one, um, it's, it, you know, just to to go to, to West Point to watch a, to watch an Army football game is is, is, a, is a terrific experience. And I've been fortunate enough to be able to do that. Uh, it's, it's just a, a real treat. Uh, you know, we're just talking about the intersection between uh, sports and, and the Army and the military. It, 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 it's, it's it's an unbelievable experience. You know, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that as well. Um, I, I think it, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting. Um, very interesting way that they're they're approaching this because obviously the uh, the the army the military you know has obvious experience in in you know, traumatic head injuries and, and dealing with them and uh, how to treat concussions how to watch for concussions and Barry yes they had uh, literally uh, players and soldiers who have had concussions talking about them talking about the experience and. Uh, Perhaps the most interesting line that I heard, and there was many, many interesting lines from everybody on the panel, was uh, General Odierno talking about combat, which is uh, not something you get to hear every day, but he basically said, combat is a very personal experience. This is a man who knows. He is the Army Chief of Staff. He's been in combat, and he basically said, I don't know that I'll ever forget this line. Combat, very personal. It's about the guy beside you on your left and the guy beside you on your right. And I've just never heard it put quite in those terms. And uh, it just absolutely fascinated me and drilled home the point he was trying to make, which, uh, you know, concussions in the battlefield or on the playing field are about, you know, you knowing it, perhaps, if you're not quite right, you know, bring it to the proper medical personnel to deal with it, both on the battlefield or on the playing field. Having some you know, difficulties, uh, but trust me, uh, it was just a fascinating, fascinating event, and we'll be watching to see what kind of research is uncovered and how 
this situation may start to be better identified and thereby improved. Uh, now, moving on, we have, again, just a huge, huge weekend of sports in general. We already talked about the Deutsche Bank. And uh, for me, I'm going to jump the gun a little bit here and give the, uh, what is my event of the weekend for appointment viewing. There's a lot of things, but for me personally, it's going to be uh, Navy versus Notre Dame tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. I can't wait. It's uh, two of my favorite days of the year, waking up to watch the British Open on Sunday morning and Wimbledon also on a Sunday morning. Tomorrow we get the rare treat of waking up on a Saturday morning and tuning right into football live from Dublin. It's going to be spectacular. Are you going to be watching, Barry? Uh, depends on the time I get done at work tonight. <laughs> um, what, what time does that game start? It's probably early in the morning, I would think. 9 a.m. on 9 CBS. Yeah, I, I'll probably be up by then. Yeah, that, that should be quite a spectacle, I would think. Um, my knowledge is uh, I believe it's the first... Uh, First American football game to be played in Ireland, so that should be uh, it should be quite a treat. The fact that Notre Dame's there, I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, that, that, that should be a lot of fun for for a lot of different reasons. It should be real fun to watch. Yeah, well, obviously it's the Fighting Irish playing in Dublin, Ireland. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is, you know, they're playing Navy. Thereby, right. Navy is uh, uh, obviously American Navy personnel and beyond. Stationed over that way, we'll, uh, we'll be able to make it as well. And interestingly, when I was at West Point yesterday, I had, uh, the, uh, pleasure of talking with our Army football coach, Rich Ellerson, impressive guy to say the least. And we talked about this. I asked him, is, is there, uh, a chance that one of these days, uh, the Army football team will be playing overseas? And, Obviously, the schedules are planned years ahead, but he certainly seemed to embrace the idea, put it that way. So, uh, wouldn't be surprised to see that happening down the road either. That would be wonderful. College football, like the NFL, both at the just peak of their popularity and getting more popular by the minute, both of them. Um, but, you know, uh, it doesn't hurt to go expand the game. Obviously, the NFL... Uh, as I have written about in the past for Financial Times of London, uh, I've written about the NFL's international strategy. They are completely committed to uh, expanding their brand internationally and their game. And uh, talking about the second game in London, uh, perhaps as soon as next year. This year it will be the Patriots and the Rams in late October. But tomorrow it will be, again, Navy and Notre Dame, and I wouldn't be surprised to see, uh, assuming it will be successful, and I have every reason to believe it will, if we start seeing, uh, you know, a little more college football played internationally. I, I heard where there was, you know, discussion of, of a game and uh, holding a game in China, believe it or not. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the world's getting smaller by the day, and football is responding. I love it. I, th- I just think it's great. The more international, the better. So hopefully, uh, you know, but that's that's just uh, that, that's just to begin the day. Uh, at noon will be um, Penn State playing their first home game under Joe Paterno in 46 years, and uh, obviously it's a new era beginning at Penn State. 
And uh, say what you will about the scandal, the worst scandal in the history of American sports. But tomorrow should be interesting and worth turning into at noon on ESPN. Are you hoping to be watching, Barry? Um, I'll be close to being in the office that time. I get, I'll get it at one o'clock. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that'll be on at least one of the four TVs that we have there. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be real interesting. Uh, you know, there's been a lot written and a lot said about uh, you know how Bill O'Brien is trying to kind of hold this team together, and they've obviously lost some key players to other programs, but there's also been a core of Penn State players who are committed to staying and, and committed to. You know, kind of turning this thing around from the perspective of, hey, this is a fresh start. This is, you know, we had nothing to do with, with any of these awful things that happened. You know, all we want to do is play football and represent the university in this next phase, uh, this next chapter, this new chapter. Um, I've heard that there's going to be some uniform tweaks. Uh, yeah. They're apparently going to put names on the back of their Penn State uniforms for the first time in their history, and I think they're going to be putting a blue ribbon on their helmets, so... I think there's going to be a lot of support. They're going to have a full a Beaver Stadium will be full, and it should be it should be very emotional. I would think at, at, at least, and uh, maybe inspiring to to people who are, are Penn State alumni, Penn State fans, and you know here is an opportunity. To, you know, it's just the first the first day of the rest of their lives, so to speak, at Penn State, and uh, and we'll see how it goes. But it, it certainly uh, promises to be to be quite an event. I would think. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, maybe not even so much the game itself, but I think the, you know, first few minutes of, you know, what's going to happen there with the team coming on the field in new uniforms, apparently in addition to names on the uniforms for the first time, certainly since Paterna has been there, so I'm going to just assume the first time in Penn State history, as well as some type of... uh, commemoration, if you will, of the child victims, uh, which is the most important in this entire situation. Uh, what are they going to do? How's how, What's going to be like there uh, in the first few minutes before kickoff? Uh, I think everybody's waiting to see. I, I consider it must-see TV. Um, and so I'll be tuned in. So again, yeah, it's uh, going to be pretty, pretty... Uh, Interesting, to put it mildly. Uh, well, Barry, why don't we uh, go to our break now? But on the way back, we have uh, you know some more college football to talk about. Uh, specifically, a huge game, Michigan Alabama tomorrow night. flagship station for sports voice america sports are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker be sure to tune in to backpacking america's trails with host rob maureen we'll explore some of the most fascinating places on earth in addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, brought to you by Whitetails Extreme. On this week's program, we'll have Second Amendment Foundation's David Workman, NRA Stephanie Sanford. Hey, we'll also have Ruger CEO Michael Pfeiffer and Washington Times' Emily Miller. When we discuss the Second Amendment, Fast and Furious, and the U.N. Small Arms Treaty. And always, it's brought to you by Ram at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And uh, Barry, we were talking some college football underway last night. Uh, it's official. Football season has begun. And huge game tomorrow night, uh, which is Michigan, Alabama, in the house that Jerry Jones built in Texas. And uh, I think it's going to be great. It's been interesting in that they've been showing, I guess, the last two times these last time these two teams met was when was Tom Brady's final game when he lit it up. And they won in, I think, double overtime, um, which I just happened to watch recently on, like, the Big Ten Network, uh, you know, a classic replay. So... Should be a great game tomorrow night. Alabama's rated one, two, or three, depending on what poll you read. And Michigan has quite possibly the most exciting player in the country in Denard Robinson. So, what do you think, Barry? Yeah, you know, it's, it's for a game like this, so if you're right off the bat, you know, it's it's, it's kind of neat. It's almost like uh, you know, kind of the way NASCAR does it. They put the Daytona 500, their 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 premier event, is the first game, is the first game, the first uh, the the first event on their schedule. Uh, it, it's it's really an intriguing matchup, I think. You know, you know, there's a lot of people asking, uh, think Alabama is, is going to do a lot of great things this year as they did last year. And, and Michigan, you know, has such a dynamic player, as you mentioned. So, um, you know, it's a chance for, for Michigan to really get on the, get on the national radar, as, as they always are. I mean, there's a lot, there's Michigan fans all over the place. And, uh, it's, it's, it should be a lot of fun. You know, we have two great programs like that. Getting together right off the bat, right off, uh, right to start the college football season. Yeah, it should it should be terrific. It should be a lot of fun. It is. It's going to be awesome. Saturday, uh, Saturday prime time, uh, Saturday night, and yeah, I, I love when they just kick it off and basically just get everybody uh, in the mood. So um, yeah, again, it's you know 
two of the most storied programs ever. Michigan's the most successful program in college football history. Grady Hoke has done wonders in a short time. And Alabama right now is, uh, I guess it can be, best be summed up by Lou Saban was listed among the 25 most influential people in college sports. And it's pretty rare that a coach is mentioned uh, in this light. This is people like NCAA President Mark Emmert is on this list. But Saban, with two out of the last three national championships, strong chance of winning uh, his third in four years. That puts him in rarefied air. Uh Right, and we've had A.P. Studham from Bama Magazine uh, on the show uh, frequently in recent months, and he knows Alabama and Saban. Uh, Saban has risen to the top of his profession. There's no other way to say it. Yeah, he really has, and, you know, it's funny. He kind of, you know, earlier in his career, he kind of had this reputation as somewhat of a nomad, right? I mean, he, right. you know, he, was, you know, he was at LSU, then he was, you know, with, NFL, well, let's take that job now. I don't want that job. And, you know, kind of bouncing around, and you really didn't know what to make of him. But now that he's firmly entrenched at Alabama, uh, yeah, he really has you know carried that program to 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 the height of the sport, and continues to do that. And yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. I mean, he certainly now uh, is 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 the only company that comes to coaches face of that franchise. You know, face that is. That long belonged to Bear Bryant, and uh, he's kind of he's kind of successfully carried that torch now, uh, and it's now you know for, firmly the Lou Saban era at um, at uh, at uh, Alabama. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's been great. It's been amazing. I happen to be in Miami uh, the day that he uh, quit as coach. And I'll tell you, what an outcry. So he has come a long way since that day. You talk about public enemy number one in a city that I just happened to be in all week for a conference. It was as ugly as I've ever seen. And I've seen some ugly, including the Red Sox this year. But Lou Saban, when he left Miami, was in the Hall of Fame for ugly public sentiment. And let's not forget on Saban, you know. uh, He, of course, was on Belichick's 1999 staff with the Cleveland Browns, so he is a Belichick disciple, and also uh, he began his head coaching career, I believe, uh, made his name at Michigan State, who, by the way, is looking like a Big Ten co-favorite along with Michigan this year, and weirdly enough, as we enter this year with the Big Ten, Ohio State and Penn State are both ineligible for any postseason play. How strange is that? Yeah, that is, that is weird, but, uh, you know, that, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the price you pay for, you know, some of the things that have happened at both those schools for entirely different reasons. But yeah, it is, uh, it is going to be very strange that neither of those schools, you know, in the conversation when it comes to, uh, potential conference championships this year. It's really weird. It's, it's as weird as it gets. You know, no postseason play for either of them. Obviously, <laughs> no chance to go beyond their regular season, meaning, the new Big Ten championship, neither of them have a chance, and interestingly, uh, you know, Urban Meyer, obviously, is the new head coach at Ohio State, he's an Ohio native, so he's returning home, and uh, that, you know, 
Well, two, you know, will two teams on probation, so to speak, for lack of a better word, ever draw more interest than Penn State and Ohio State? Probably not, except for the team coming off probation, uh, and they play this weekend as well, USC, uh, with Matt Barkley and Silas Red having transferred from Penn State. Again, quarterback Matt Barkley decided to stay, finish the job, as he said. So uh, they are the the other fascinating team of, of the year, them, them Alabama, um, you know, right up there in the top three. Yeah, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of juice about USC uh, at this point, and uh, I think everybody expects them to have a great season. I think everybody expects Barkley coming back this thing after making the decision to come back for a senior season, senior season at USC. Uh, yeah, they they should they're, they seem to be easily the class of that conference, and uh, they're going to have uh, visions of a national championship as well. So who knows? We may see a, something like a USC. Uh, Michigan matchup. I mean, sorry, USC uh, Alabama matchup down the road. That would be a lot of fun too. I would think that would be fabulous. Yes, uh, you know it's going to be uh, you know great. The SEC is again dominant in the rankings. Uh, whatever, seven teams in the top twenty, twenty-five, something like that. Uh, we of course had you know. The breaking news, which happened as we were broadcasting live a few weeks ago, of the Honey Badger uh, being dismissed from the LSU team and uh, apparently now in rehab and will not be playing this season by all accounts, mostly, uh, most importantly, according to his father. But LSU, despite that, uh, nobody's backing off their, pre- their picks of LSU as, you know, again, either one, two, or three, along with Alabama and USC, depending on who you choose to read. So they're, they're going to be, uh, they're LSU. They're just good every year, even losing their best player. Yeah, I mean, I expect, you know, certainly they're, they're going to, I think there'll be a lot of, you know, kind of rallying around that loss and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of circling the wagons and, and you know, keeping keeping going with they, what they've accomplished the past few years. I mean, Les Miles has done a great job there, and there's still plenty other plenty of uh, other talent on that team as well. So, yeah, I certainly expect them to be in that mix too. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of. Yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of looking at a at an Alabama, uh, USC, LSU kind of uh, triple threat, if you will, to kind of you know take take that uh, take that fight to the national cha- to the end of the national championship season. So, yeah, it should be it should be a great great college football campaign and there's going to be twists and turns as there are in every league and every year and every sport so uh, we'll see how it all shakes out it's going to be fabulous Boston College here locally opens up uh, hosting Miami the U will be in town right here in Boston that's going to be fun And uh, but you know looking ahead there's uh, also opening this week is of course the NFL Opening right in your backyard in uh, the new Meadowlands uh, will be the Giants, defending Super Bowl champions, hosting the Cowboys. So has the buzz started down in New York, or is it just like, you know, we're, we're finally through the preseason and now we can start to get serious, or probably in, in, in a little bit of a gap? I'm going to guess Tuesday everybody's going to wake up and, like, 
footballs here and get pretty excited uh, leading up to the Giants game down there. Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, you know, it's going to be very strange, actually, you know, because this will be the first time they've ever played an NFL game on a Wednesday. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a very strange environment, I think. And I think, you know, once once everybody sits down and realizes, hey, there's a football game on tonight, that it'll be, you know, it'll be business as usual, you know, once the opening kickoff comes and it'll feel like a Monday night or even a Thursday night. So, I mean, you know, we never even had Thursday night football until just a few years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean... You know, I, I think for the, for the opening game of the NFL season, they could play to you know two in the morning on a on a on a, a Tuesday or something, and people would still watch. So I don't think that'll be a you know, once once the game actually starts, or that won't even be an issue. It'll just be like any any other night game, and, and it should be a lot of fun. And you know, and quite frankly, you know, and I think we've we've kind of addressed this on the show before too. Um, the Giants have kind of, believe it or not, in New York, kind of flown under the radar. Uh, during this preseason, what was all the talk about Tim Tebow and the Jets and, and, you know, Rex Ryan saying, you know, bizarre things and the Jets doing bizarre things. And it's, it's really funny how the, the Giants have just kind of, for the most part, gone, just kind of gone along, gone along the business and just, you know, prepared. And for the most part, kind of quietly, I, I think that the, the one uh, departure from that was the, the, the Tubgate incident involving, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and then Prince Mukamara, which the Giants, I thought, did a really good job of kind of nipping that whole thing in the bud like a day or so later. Uh, Tom Coughlin basically coming out and saying, look, this is unacceptable. You know, we're not going to do this anymore. And, you know, I think the biggest mistake that was made there, you know, not so much that there are that there are hijinks that go on and it goes on every training camp, but the fact that it was kind of put out there, you know, in social media, you know, Steve Weatherford, the punter, posting it on Twitter and, you know, that caused kind of a ruckus for a couple of days. But, uh, you know, I think they were very apologetic about that. And that, that story kind of went away after a couple of days. But, you know, the Jets seem to be really in New York, as, as odd as it may seem, you know, the Giants winning two of the last four Super Bowls, the, the, the Jets have really gotten the, the lion's share of the media coverage in New York. So it, it's, it's kind of a kind of an odd dynamic, kind of interesting dynamic. You know, they're still talking about, you know, where Tebow's going to play. Uh, you know, the Jets are the only team in the NFL preseason that did not score a touchdown uh, so far. So it's been it's been crazy and uh, it's been nutty. It's been a kind of a nutty camp for the Jets. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's been a very very odd dynamic in that the Giants have just been really quietly for the most part, as I said, going about their business while the Jets have really kind of just been out there as far as the coverage goes. Right and. Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm up to uh, speed with both because last night, uh, come, driving back from West Point to Boston, I listened to the Jets' preseason game against the Eagles where, thank goodness for Greg McElroy, he finally got him in the end zone for the first time this year. So that was interesting, just listening to the Jets' home broadcast, as it were, and then, you know, Wednesday, watched the Patriots' final preseason game uh, with the Giants. That was pretty good. So, yeah, so, it, you know, I'm up to tune with both New York teams as well as, of course, the Patriots who open a week from Sunday against the uh, Tennessee Titans. And that Sunday night, by the way, is, you know, the game of the year, as it were, on the first week. Uh, I just can't wait for it, which is uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, Denver Broncos. Sunday night football, that is going to be... Awesome. The return of Peyton Manning, obviously. 
And uh, after last year, maybe the return of the Steelers. Let's not forget. Uh, when last seen, uh, Tim Tebow was throwing a winning touchdown in overtime to beat the Steelers in Denver. So uh, what a great matchup. And Barry, we're under a minute, but I'd love your quick comment on that matchup. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are really curious to see uh, how Peyton Manning uh, comes back and how he handles things. You know, from all accounts, he looks very good in training camp, and he's uh, particularly built up a really good rapport with uh, with Eric Decker, according to reports. So it'll be really interesting to see how you know, their, their young receiving core with Decker and Demarius Thomas you know, fully expected to be, uh, you know, really, I think we expect them to air the ball out and, and uh, again, small accounts, Peyton looked pretty good in training camp. So um, a lot of people think he's back. And but you know we'll we'll see what happens once you go once you go up against a team like the Steelers. I mean, obviously known for their defense. And yeah, that should be a lot of fun to watch. That should, that should be a great matchup early in the NFL season. It's going to be spectacular and hard to believe, Barry. We're through another show. They sure do go quickly, to put it mildly, and. Uh, once again, Barry, thank you for calling in, and thank you, as always, for your uh, astute commentary. And thank you again, Voice America listeners, for tuning in today, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and enjoy your Irish breakfast tomorrow. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.